All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and uh, it's great to be with you on our Christmas service, and it's crazy to think about that this is our last service of the year. Next Sunday is Christmas Day. How fun is that? Uh, we're excited in our, in our household, but we usually take the last Sunday of the year off to rest and to be with family, and so we hope you have a Merry Christmas next Sunday. Uh, but today, we are excited to just engage and celebrate Christmas with you. And this month, we've been engaging in a series called Light of the World. And really, we're talking about our circumstances that come with Christmas. And Christmas is so unique because we take the entire month to celebrate it. And it's, you know, it's a huge event in the, in, that we celebrate with Jesus coming and His birth. And you know, we also celebrate Easter, and Easter is really a week or a weekend that we celebrate you know, the greatest event in human history. But Christmas is unique because we take the entire month, and we want it to be the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, but there's, there's complications with that. You know, there's all kinds of things that come into this month, and we want that. But then you, maybe you're already thinking about, you know, visiting family or, or you know, that, that has begun. Or there's conversations that you're waiting on that you're trying to prepare your mind for. Or, you know, or there's, there, there's significant pain from the past. There's loved ones that have passed away. Um, that's, that's always been the story with us and our church family uh, from the past, or it's happened in this holiday season, whatever that may be. And so it's hard to say, yeah, I'd like, I'd like it to be the most wonderful time of the year, but there are circumstances that influence that. And what's amazing and why I love leaning into the Christmas story every year is because the Christmas story existed in very tough circumstances. And it was from there that, that John wrote to us in his gospel that, that the darkness has not overcome the light. And he wrote it in way darker times than we, we've ever experienced in our own lifetime. And yet he proclaimed that truth and it was significant. That, they, that Jesus was light, the darkness has not overcome it and will not. And the same is true today. And so no matter your circumstance, you can experience light. And we want to lean into that together. So today, I want to bring this all together. And I just want to read through the Christmas story. I love to do that. You know, we hear it. We don't often hear it all together. And what's interesting is, for Jesus' life, we have full four, four full written accounts of his life. If you think about past historical documents of any kind um, from a couple thousand years ago, you have fragments. And that, you know, we stay with authority. Here we have Four full written accounts that have been protected over thousands of years. People gave up their lives just to have this. And so we have these, these are, these are men who were around Jesus. In Luke's gospel account, he interviewed all those who were with Jesus. And he gives a very detailed account, and it's really interesting. And so each one focuses on his life in different ways. And so, um, and so today we're going to look at two. Because Mark, we have the gospel of Mark. And he takes the most direct approach. His thesis is right up front. He's like, here's who we're talking about. And so this is what he says. He says, he says this is Mark 1.1. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Messiah, the Son of God. That's how Mark starts it out. And so he introduces readers to John the Baptist, and then it's just off and running to Jesus' ministry and his life. John's gospel begins uh, with the significance of Jesus' birth. He didn't start with, like, here's what happened, here's his birth, but he, he started off with why it happened. 
the why. And so John 1.14 says this. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We just sang this. You know, we, we sing about God incarnate three and one. We talked about he's fully man and fully God. It's incredible. And he, God came to us and made his dwelling among us. He came and made an appearance and was with us. And then John goes on to say, and John, he also said in John 1, in his opening statement, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then he says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. He's showing us why Jesus came. And then he gives us why he wrote. John wrote an incredibly dark time. He'd watched a, a tremendous amount of war happen. I talked about that in the week one of our series. And here's why John was writing. Later on in his gospel, John, this is John 20, 31. It says, he says, this is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And we'll get to that word in a little bit. The Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is a, a personal, a personal God. These are written that you may have life in his name. It's a personal God. And he came in a personal way. He didn't come be like, here's how you love. And he held the classes. No, he engaged people one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one in a personal way. And he is engaging you and I the very same way. And that's what we want to invite you into. And we, when we talk about following Christ and all those things, it's really about this personal relationship. I mean, it was, Jesus was, you know, John was, sorry, excuse me, John was being very clear in his gospel. He's like, this is a decision. Your personal decision that God has given you freedom to decide to be your personal Savior. It's an individual decision to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. So that's why he wrote in verse 31, but these are written that you may believe. And so John, in his gospel, his questions for us is, is do you believe? And he's like, listen, if not, keep seeking, keep asking. And the gospel writers show people asking questions of Jesus and we hope here at DCC that this is a safe place for you to come and ask your questions of God. And so he says, keep asking. Keep asking. But don't kid yourself. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Don't kid yourself as to why Jesus came and why Christmas is important. And John was like, I should know. I was with him. I was there. And so, so those are, you know, Mark and John go into that. And Matthew is similar to Mark. And then we have, but, but Matthew and Luke... Matthew and Luke both give us the birth account. So I'm going to read from both of these Gospels, from Matthew and Luke. And I'm just going to walk us through this story. And I want you to see, as we, as we go through this, I want you to see the circumstances surrounding the Christmas story. Because you'll hear about it, and, you'll, and you'll, maybe you've heard it read in different settings, or you've been here, and, and, and we just kind of hear the story. And I'm going to bring them out for you, but I want you to just kind of Think with me and, and kind of observe maybe more than you would the circumstances going on in the people's lives around the story and, and even what God has asked them to do. God stepped into their lives. He's engaging a story that many of them didn't ask for. And it's interesting to see everything through the light of circumstances. So here we go. We're going to start in Luke 1. This is starting in verse 26. 
Here's what it says. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And so this is interesting because, you know, if you don't normally read scripture or you haven't heard this before, it's like, wow, these are sort of really interesting details to bring out about this, this, this girl. <laughs> but it's incredibly important. It's, it's so important. It was prophesied that this would happen, and so it's, it continues here. It says, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And these are, this is an incredible, Mary was very young. And here this angel is giving this message. And so not surprisingly, as we see here, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What's going on? Like an angel shows up in your life. Oh, my goodness. Like, like is this good or bad? And so the angel assures us that the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I love that statement. There's all these statements of God delighting in us in Scripture, you read through the, the Psalms, and I think it's sometimes we don't always think of a God like that, this personal God that wants to engage in us. He wants us to delight, delight in Him, and He wants to do the same with us. That's so different than we normally think. He says, God, you have found favor with God. And then the, April, uh, the angel excuse me, drops a bomb on Mary. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary was experiencing the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah to come, and the angels telling her this is coming through her. Angels saying, hey, you're going to conceive and be pregnant. That's a lot to listen to. And like her plans were ruined <laughs> the way that she thought they would go, but in a good way. But that's a lot to take in. Now, let's switch to Joseph. This is found in Matthew. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is a phenomenal phrase in Scripture. Uh, before they, if this will help us understand this context, before they came together, okay, we all got that, right? <laughs> she was found to be pregnant. You know, so she was pledged to be married, and so they are engaged and in this culture and in this custom that was significant. It was as significant as being married today. It was a legal binding. But then to, to become pregnant before marriage in this culture was incredibly awful. One of the worst things that you could do. And so this is how Joseph is experiencing. He's engaged with her, and, 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 and he, she, he finds out that she is pregnant. The culture literally allowed, in some circumstances, for her to be executed. She was certainly been sent to live somewhere else or put outside of the community. 
crazy. And so Joseph is finding this out from her, and he doesn't believe her. And so we pick up this up in verse 19. It says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wanted to do this as respectfully as he could. And listen, I get it for him. He's, this is, he's confused, and he doesn't know what's happening. He's, I'm sure he's disappointed. And this is, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so as, as Christ followers, this is a core part of our belief that, that Jesus came down humbly as a baby. It's a story that no one would have written. No one would have believed he came humbly. But, it was, but he was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, meaning that he was not born of, of our brokenness. He was not born of our sin. That is key to him living this perfect life. And so Joseph finds out these incredible words. And, you, and he says, you will, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name, give him the name Jesus. And so this is a significant part. And we saw... Uh, the angels say to Mary the same thing. He will be a king that will reign forever. And for this name Jesus, he would have heard the words Yeshua or essentially a Joshua. And this Yeshua, Jesus, was a specific word meaning the Messiah that was to come. And so Joseph is hearing and finding out that he is going to be the father of who is going to be the Messiah. The one that everybody would have been wanting to see. They were praying for him to come. And the Old Testament had seen him and described him as this warrior deliverer. And so Joseph would be like, seriously? Like this could be happening? And they were living in this client state of Rome and this incredible environment with Rome controlling them. And so they really, really, in this time, really wanted the Messiah to come. And so the angel saying to Joseph in this dream, she will give birth to a son and you're given the name Jesus because... And it's funny because like... They would love to fill in the blank for because there. Well, because we've been a client state for hundreds of years, and finally we're going to get our independence, you know, like. And so it's because he will save his people, to which, you know, I'm breaking this up, which they would have loved to interject it. Yes, he will save his people. You know, we're going to, we're going to be independent, and this is all, everything we wanted. What does it say? He will save his people from their sins like wait that's it (laughs) like anybody would have stepped in and said this is not a pressing need right now Rome is a pressing need right now for for the Jewish people they already had an elaborate like save from sin system going on that God had given them they had the temple Herod had helped them build it they're like, Rome needs saving from sin, all right? Have you seen Rome and how bad they are? And like, you're saying his people? Like, no, like, Israel needed saving from Rome. That's what they all would have been interested in. And many did. Many of the followers of Jesus, when he started his ministry, the, the, the disciples that were around him, some of them were zealots. That was like what they thought it would be. That was their mission, is to be saved from, and that's what, and so they, that's what they saw it as. But here the announcement is saying he has come to save his people from their sins. 
And this is a significant statement because it's significant for you and me, and it's almost like it doesn't make sense even now because I don't, they're like, I, I don't need saving from this. We need saving from, and we can fill in the blank, the politician that you don't like. And we need saving from this tyrant in this country or countries, and there's all these different things. But Jesus came for a much bigger problem that no one could fix. And they didn't know that. If you think deeply, they, they would begin to understand it. He came for a much bigger problem that was way beyond the political environment of the time. And what's interesting is eventually, because of Christ followers and then pursuing them, Rome, eventually Roman emperor eventually became a Christ follower. But that was hundreds of years of persecution. And then Rome tried to, to snuff out the Christian movement and to get rid of it. But they just can't continue to love and to love. And because something had happened inside of them, they had been saved for something so much more, more deep than anything. He didn't save Israel from Rome at the time. It was something deeper. And this is what's true for us, is we want things to be fixed. <laughs> and we want, like we live in a world where we can generally fix things, but as, as we improve as a society and however you want to define that, as we move forward and we progress, what we find is it just keeps messing up. And maybe you're just trying to engage your life well, and you just, you get in your own way. You can't even fix yourself. And this is what's so beautiful about the story of Christmas is, is that Jesus came for because of that, because we cannot actually fix it. And I'm a pastor, and I'm someone who's, I've been ordained, and, and I am a Christ follower, and, and I have people who stepped in me and said, you should be a pastor, and I've been affirmed in this role, and even me, I, I can't get everything right. Even still, I have a sinful nature, and it's only because of the grace of God that I have found that forgiveness, and it's only because of Him, and that's why Jesus came. And we live in a world where we can't fix it. You have circumstances. That are not easy. How do you find joy when that's the case? You can, and that is why Jesus came. He will save his people from their sins. I'm going to keep reading. We'll go through a, a diff, a, a, another circumstance. I'm going back to Luke now in his gospel account. Luke 2 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in the world, issues for, you know, over Rome, issues a, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was like one of those events like, where everything would have been disrupted. Everybody had to go to different towns. He says, And everyone went to their own town to register. And so... What's fascinating is the prophecy put, put the birth of Messiah in a specific place. And because of this decree, it put Mary and Joseph right in the place that they said the Messiah would come. And, and, and this is one of those events. Like 10 years ago, Hurricane Sandy hit Jersey City, hit the New York area, and it just caused chaos here. 
And if anybody, if anybody was ever here, and eventually you'll be in a conversation with someone, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember when. Like, I just took uh, one of our kids to the Armory, which is straight up Montgomery Street. It's this massive building. And if you've never been in there, you walk in, you're like, oh, my goodness. And it's, they use it for sports now, and it's just massive. And some people were talking, like, yeah, the last time I was here was at Hurricane Sandy. There were cots everywhere. People had lost power. People had been out of their homes, and people were sleeping there. And so it was like, I remember when, in this big event that happened, well, this is one of those things, people are like, yeah, I remember the, the, the census. And so people are having to move, and there's, people are, you know, sleeping with families on their floors and everything else. And so Mary and Joseph, pregnant, at the end of the pregnancy, have to journey there. That's why there's a donkey. I don't, I don't think the donkey's not really in Scripture, but everybody just assumed that's how Mary got there. Very pregnant. It's crazy. And so it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, which was the prophecy that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and dun-dun-dun, was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Anyone reading, reading this in that time and culture would be like, oh my goodness, like, she's in a, like they've been staying in a stable in a barn type of thing. That's how crazy it was. That's hard. And then it goes to the shepherds. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And God was giving his birth announcement. The Son of God has been born. The Messiah is here, and he announces it to the shepherds who, were, who would have been considered the unclean. In that culture, you had to be clean. And the religious people had to have that. And so the shepherds were not And they're probably not as educated as other people. And God was coming to them to announce this. And so this was significant. And so the shepherds had their own circumstances. And they've been told that they're not really acceptable by God. And God was saying, this is not true. He says, but the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy For all the people, meaning for everyone, it's for all. This message is for all, no matter who you are. It's not just the really good religious people who've got it all together. Not the people with degrees and whatever it may be, the the ordination and all that. Like, no, for everyone. This is why God, who he came for. And then they give the invitation. Today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. It's personal. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's big news. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then God lights it up. So suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
Remember that word favor with Mary from before we read that? Here they're saying this. This is an incredible moment. They're experiencing one of the most incredible things that's happened in history. The whole heavenly host of angels are like, hey, and they start singing into them. It's amazing. And they hear these words, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I love that. God wants to bring us into peace. He wants to bring us into delight and into beauty. And part of our journey with him is learning to trust that. And that's not easy to do. And in Jesus' life showed us he walked through very hard things. And he said tough things are not always easy to follow. But all along, God, in his story with us, God is showing us, you can trust me. You can trust me. I'm bringing you towards beauty. I made you for this. And I want you to experience that favor and delight. And the only way we can experience that is to be saved from our sins. It's incredible. And so they give this huge announcements to them. And they go. It says, it continues here. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, well that was interesting. <laughs> no, like, can you imagine? They're like, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. It existed in a specific time in history, real history that we know about. He says, which the Lord has told us about. And that's what makes this the most wonderful time of the year is what has happened. What happened dwarfed their circumstances. What happened brought, brought you know, peace in the midst of their circumstances. The same for Mary. And so we, we see this. It says, so they hurried off. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. In the most humble of circumstances. One of the reasons we have incredible proof, like we, we believe in Christ because of our faith, yes, but it's not just on just hoping. The evidence around it is incredible. And one is this no one in the time would have ever written this story. It would, it would have been blasphemous for God to come this humbly. And God loves to engage in what we call this upside-down kingdom. We, we, we seek power and, and fame, and God is about our hearts. And it's incredible. And they find him in the manger. And it says here, it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They're pumped. They're telling everybody. And it says, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And I love here that we get Mary's point of view. And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Maybe Mary's introverted. <laughs> but she's thinking about it. A lot, a lot that she had. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. A lot that Mary had, she couldn't talk about. Her circumstance, because of the early pregnancy, and eventually, we talked about this last week because of Herod and his, how evil he was and how threatened he was of this child king was pursuing his, Jesus' death. And they had to escape. They had to go for years. They were disrupted. 
Who would believe Mary? Only a few people she could tell. No one believed her. Yeah, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Like, okay. I think it's like her reputation was shattered. But years later, Mary would peer into an empty tomb. Matthew and Luke told that story, but John was the one who, who best summarized it. Jesus was crucified, and they all lost hope because that's not what they thought was going to happen. But then he rose from the grave three days later, just like he said he would. And so John said this, and you've heard this first part before. John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever, it's all personal, whoever believes in him, it's your choice, shall not perish but have eternal life. We've heard that before, maybe. But listen to this next part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because in spite of what we think we need, God understands what we actually need. A personal savior who is Christ the Lord. You need saving. You and I are broken. We know it. We see that example. We can't get beyond ourselves. But the good news is Christ came. And you are invited into that journey. Maybe for you it's just begin. John's inviting you to, to seek and to find. But for those of you who said, I'm a Christ follower today, this Christmas season, all of us, all of us, we have circumstances. I want to invite you to seek the one who gives hope no matter what we're going through. You can read the book of John. You can read Luke and find out about the, or read the book of Acts. It's the, 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 the story of the early church or maybe one of the letters to the early churches and you see the teachings of Jesus in Ephesians, all these. We engage him. He is our light. I want to pray for us and then I want to lead us through whoever wants to uh, taking communion and then we're going to sing together one more time. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your words to us, your words of hope that we have. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.